Hello world, I'm Eric Dye. I'm Jeremy Smith. And I'm Phil Schneider. And you're listening to Church Mag Podcast number 102. Smaller churches typically come out so much better in that process than bigger churches. There's still churches today with tape duplicators. Does this fit into where we are or where we need to go? This week's podcast is brought to you by By the Book. By the Book offers several different combinations of church management software that will help serve your parishioners. Keep track and keep in touch with your members and be sure to take a look at By the Book's stellar kids ministry child check-in system. Learn more at bythebook.com. That's bythebook.com. This week, our conversation is started up by John Wilkerson. We talk about the different struggles small and large churches face, if any at all. If you want to join the conversation, drop us your thoughts via Twitter using the hashtag CMAGCast or email your words or audio file to podcast at churchmag, just like John did. Now, let the fun begin. Welcome to another episode of the Church Mag Podcast. A few weeks ago, we had episode 100, and uh, Sean Lacey commented on Twitter. I guess this is still part of his evil plan to get onto the podcast. Uh, He said that the podcast was just too short. He really enjoyed the back and forth, reminiscing over the last 99 episodes. Oh, wasn't that sweet, guys? Yeah, he's he's playing a long game here. He's playing the long game. (laughs) Still hasn't worked, buddy. Sorry. Uh, And John Wilkerson said, congrats on a century. A century worth of podcasts, apparently. Um, Speaking of John, John then went ahead and sent us an audio file of a question, which um, is a new thing we're trying out. Uh, Think about it. You know, you have a smartphone. You can easily record your voice. You can even do like a, a video, right? There, to record your voice is very easy. You can either do a voice note or you can do uh, a short clip and video. Make it. Make Do your question or comment and then email it to podcast at churchmag. You know, that's the C, you know, churchm.ag, churchmag. <laughs> I'm sure you've been there. Uh, podcast at churchmag. Email it to us and then we can have an actual question, not just a text question. I mean, if you don't feel like recording and having your voice on the podcast, hey, that's fine. I get that. Okay, send us, you know, send a a text, uh, you know, email. But it's fun to be able to hear your voice. So let's, let's get rolling with that. John has a question. So here it is. Hey, Church Mac team. This is John Wilkerson from the Wired Homeschool. And listen, I've really been enjoying your podcast and everything. But you know, when I listen to your, you guys talking about church tech and volunteering, man, it sounds like you guys are talking about big, big churches. And I'm in a small church. We're talking, if we have 200 people on a Sunday, that's a big day. And so volunteering and church tech often falls to a small group. Could you guys talk about those challenges and how to overcome them as it relates to small churches? Because we're not doing, we don't have a camera guy. We, you know, sometimes the guy running the soundboard is also running pro presenter because we don't have two people to be in the sound booth that Sunday morning. So if you could just share that about those challenges and talk about that a little bit more, I'd really, really like to hear that, guys. Thanks. Yes, I think that it is very easy as we talk about these different issues facing church tech, whether it be volunteers, projection, audio soundboard, all, all these different things. We're, we, we often, it's easy to think of a larger church uh, or a mega church. And I think that a lot of the church tech circles 
inadvertently focuses on that because a lot of those that are creating content in the church tech space are from mega churches or from large congregations of well over, you know, two, three, four, five hundred people. And churches that regularly have 200 max, or maybe they just normally have 100, are, are left there scratching their heads going, hey guys, you know, w- what about us? What, what are we supposed to do? You know, we've got one or two guys max. And so that's a, that's a, interesting dynamic and we could we could go in a lot of ways with this conversation we could talk about why so many in the church tech space uh take a larger church approach and and on and on but uh, that's not really the focus let's try to focus on you know the the challenges that uh the small church tech teams or guy faces so i'm gonna give a little hint into this process because i've been on churches more than 200 several different times and talk to other churches that were bigger. Yeah, you have actually a lot of experience with this because when you're running 78 productions, you you really reached out and helped a lot of smaller churches do tech better, right? Sure. And, and not only was it a matter of helping smaller churches do tech better, but then I was also interviewing people that were actually really big. And the secret is churches that are more than 200 people rely on volunteers more than churches that are smaller than 200. And so when I say that, you're going to completely not understand, but I I really mean that the volunteer base for large churches from a church of 500 that I served at to a church of 5,000 I'm currently serving at to as big as I talked to um, like five different staff people at Saddleback Church who, if their volunteer base decided tomorrow to quit, they would not be able to run their church. And it, it's so interesting that there's this dichotomy of big church versus little church and the concerns there. And is there more money overall to the big church? Yes. But the reason that they survive is because they have done volunteer management really, really well. And if we, as any church, any size can learn from that, we will do really great things. And so I think it's just interesting in that process where there may be a budget for it, but if you look at per person on how much we invest in the church, smaller churches typically come out so much better in that process than bigger churches. Okay. I have to admit it, Jeremy, my mind is a little bit blown right now because that's always been the mentality. Smaller churches have a harder time with volunteers, and then they will also say, in, as a little bit of a pushback, a little bit of pushback, straight up pushback to that of saying that, well, the larger churches actually have people on staff to do that. I mean, how many times have we heard that, right, Phil? Oh, well, bigger churches they they have people on staff to do that. They, they get paid, right? And in some cases, I mean, there's there's some truth to that. Like I, like I'm on staff at my church and I manage our website. Right. Um, but there are some things that we have volunteers do that other staff members, other other churches might do. It depends on the, the skill set of the staff you have. Absolutely. You know, if, yeah. So the staff doesn't have the skills. You outsource those tasks. And what Jeremy said about the lifeline of bigger churches being the volunteers, I totally agree. It takes a minimum of 50 volunteers every Sunday morning to do what we do here. I think the reason why smaller churches, churches under 200, feel this pressure as far as volunteers and doing things in their comparison to mega churches is this fundamental reason. And we've, we've kind of touched, touched on this before. And that is because the cost of tech has decreased 
quite a bit as far as i mean just like look at video streaming like the cost to do video streaming today versus five years ago is it's completely different the same with podcasting and a lot of other different things that the cost of entry has has lowered a lot and so suddenly it is affordable for the smaller the, the 200 and less church to do the things that the mega churches are doing but small churches have this 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 pressure to do everything and i mean everything that the mega churches are doing and there there is a shortage of people while you need more volunteers you know to to have to, for a mega church to run and everything there there's a there's a huge dependency on the volunteers there's certain there, there still isn't enough hands and feet and eyes and ears in the smaller church to do pro presenter do audio run a camera run the fog machine i don't i don't know whatever other else stuff that they're doing there just isn't enough heads because they're trying to do more than what a church of that size should be doing that's a, that's a really tough sw- uh, pill to sw- that's a pretty big that's a pretty hard pill to swallow i think it is important to realize that when you have a bigger population to draw from that it's possible that the quality of person you are getting out of that bigger population is going to be better um and and typically with larger churches you have a lot more diversity in general and so there is that process to understand but that being said there's still volunteers and so the law of volunteers just up and quitting on you burning out over committing doing things that are not outside their control all that stuff still applies. both churches need one sound engineer both churches need a pro presenter and both churches need at least one camera operator if they're doing if they're doing like you know those things if they're you know having a sound system and an overhead and and uh streaming video right they need at least those three people bare minimum and they both require three and one of them is is over two times bigger sure but the bigger church probably has multiple services and they probably are not going to ask their volunteer to do that many extra services and they may have more cameras and they may have a bigger dedication in that process so as much as or 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 neither church streams because it all depends upon your area and what is expected of you. Like in my area, I only know of one church that streams and so not not to step too much on last week's podcast, but part of the issue here for for small churches is they look at big churches and say, I want to do all of that. You don't need to do all of that. You don't even need to do half of that stuff. That's what I'm saying. Or is the one church that I was a part of that's 500, they wouldn't stream, but they would take the videos and put them on DVDs to take to the nursing home. So there's also that option. We did that for a while too here and then realized it was not worth our time. What I'm saying is, is that this is a fairly complex issue. And what you said originally, Jeremy, of the pressures that a megachurch has for volunteers was a little bit of a little bit mind blowing for me because I, you automatically think that a smaller church is going to have a hard time. But I think that the, the the missing key and the thing that we do have to keep in mind is that some smaller churches do have pew envy in regards to the larger churches, and they want to do all the things that 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 the bigger churches are doing. I think that's a real problem. And and like you said last week, Phil. When push comes to shove, those that are coming to the church, those that that you want to come to the church, that you want to bring in, don't really care what font you're using. Exactly. I, so I want to say, hey, little church, you do you, man. You do you. 
Uh, own your identity. If you don't like your identity, then work on changing it. But do do things over time. Like when my dad uh, f- took his first church in the area I live in now, it um, was known in town as the the accordion church because the old pastor, who had been gone for three or four years when we got there, used to play the accordion during worship. And everyone knew it was the accordion church. And it took us a long time to change that mindset. And I'm not even saying that we change that mindset by modernizing. It just took a long time to change that mindset and let folks know, no, that guy is gone. He retired. He was 85. The new guy's only 35. We're changing things. And then even then, it took us, and I mean, I started running sound there at 13. And I think it wasn't until I was uh, 18 or 19 that we started, like, you know, podcasting. So it was, we were recording onto tapes until I was about 17 years old. Tape ministry. Yeah. And it wasn't until I bought. It was real. Yeah. It was was real, people. Tape ministry was real. We had a, we had a tape duplicator, Eric. Yes. High speed tape duplicator that no one's never worked. (laughs) There's still churches today with tape duplicators. Oh, God bless you. Do the work, brother. Hold that field. People want them. Do it. Yeah. We still, we give up podcasts for free. We still sell CDs of our sermons. Right. Don't be a tech snob, guys, either. Oh, it, it kills me. We sell CDs for this. I'm like, you know, if I could just download that for you. And then I realized you've got nothing for me to download that to. Never mind. We'll go ahead and say that CD for a dollar. <laughs> mm. You have a CD player? Oh, yeah. in, just in your but, car? That's cool. Phil, yeah, exactly. You just listen to it, little five-minute spurts between here and the senior citizens. You actually um, to my church. But that's the thing. You know, we, 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 and we didn't start. Go ahead, Jeremy. I was just trying to make a joke. Oh, sorry. No, Jeremy, you can't make jokes. It's my job, Jeremy. You need to sit back and give, give the intelligent insight. Give me, give me two minutes. I was editing... I was editing last week's podcast, and that happened two times. Jeremy tried to make a joke, and then he's <laughs> the identical thing happened. And then he just, and then he just gives. I just keep, bo- I just keep boxing him out because he's not going to be the funny guy. It's my job. It's all I have, Jeremy. It's all I have. That and stories. Anyway, well, this is what I'm doing right now. It wasn't. We didn't start podcasting until I created a podcast. I went in and I bought a. Um, a stereo track recorder or, or, or a stereo track interface and recorded it to a computer and would go in and edit it and, and then upload it. And that was uh, our podcast for the first six to eight months. And then we eventually built a system to where we would record, you know, directly just right out the board on a single, uh, single mono channel. Um, and it was just, we simplified it, but it took us a long time before we would start podcasting. And it was only because people in the church wanted to do it and said, look, we need to do this and I will help do this. And even now it's been like 13 years since we started the podcast and it's still not a very big part of what we do, but, but more and more people are, are finding out about it and getting on and getting involved in the podcast. Like, Oh, I, lo- I love the, the you guys record your sermons and whatnot. Like, Oh yeah, we're, we're, we're glad that you're, you know, using it, but they wouldn't have found it. It wouldn't have happened if we had been pushing for it 20 years ago. I think there's, there's something else uh, in this discussion that really perpetuates the problem of the, the smaller church trying to behave like a mega church and then clearly not having the bandwidth to pull it off. And that has to do with a subject that we've touched on before uh, that, that Jeremy's been pretty passionate about, and that is for church tech ministry to have a seat at the table in leadership and decision-making. 
and this is especially the case, I believe, in smaller churches because there isn't a quote-unquote team, church tech team. There's maybe one guy, two guys, three guys max, right? And they they are they are given orders, you know, that come from the top of people that just really shouldn't be making big tech decisions for the church, even if it is the pastor. Maybe they're not really equipped or educated or really thinking this through as far as what they're doing. They just see someone else is doing it, and hey, let's do it. And and, and there is, there's no seat at the table in that regard. Yep, and I think that it's, if you want to be part of the budget process or just simply the decision-making in general, that needs to be part of your expectation it's it's just like if you were owning your own business and you wanted to see your business get equality in the process of trying to be represented in your local community your job then is to go to the town hall meetings to go to all the times that they create the budgets if you want to say in that process show up and i don't know what each church's denomination and whatnot looks like as far as business meetings but as far as town hall meetings, if you just show up, that's good enough. You don't have to be set, told you need to show up on this when this happens. Just ask when it happens. Ask if it's appropriate for you to go and go do it. You, there's a lot that can be done just by showing up. Larger churches automatically, because there's a lot of people on staff and there are teams, naturally, there's somebody that represents the church tech area that can really come to the table and speak speak into the issues and say, hey, it's going to cost us much or not. Let me challenge that. Why is that? Why do you think that's the case? Be- because it's not necessarily true. Th- I just assume that because there's there's a larger structural, just like any organization, you have departments, right? They're, they're run more like a larger, there's a, there's a bigger chain of command. So I just naturally, I, I'm just naturally assuming that. No, I, I, no, I think in, I'm sorry to, to, to rebuttal that in smaller churches, here's what you generally have. Okay. You've got a pastor and maybe an associate or a youth pastor who functions as a surrogate associate. And then you have ministries that function as little fiefdoms and they're all independent. They're all competitive for volunteers, for resources, for the pastor's ear. And uh-huh. it's all just about uh, getting what they need to complete their vision. That's where I think m- many small churches go wrong. And that's why tech feels so isolated. This tech's job really is just to help the pastor better communicate the message God's given him. And so I think if the if the pastors were in general better leaders and better organizers and could cast a vision for the whole church to unite around, then they could go to each ministry and say, here's our overall vision. How do you think your ministry best fits into this picture? And let's work on that. Let's partner together to make that happen. That's where a lot of the problems could be headed off. But how many, how many times is, is the pastor is like, hey, we, we should stream the service. You know, well, okay, that's actually an ongoing discussion at my church right now. And it's, and that's where there's issues where you've got to get into the pastors and he sets seems to, you know, I don't want to say let on the law, but say to, say to his, his volunteers, guys, this has to happen by this date. I need this to happen by this date. Let me know what you need. See, that's what happens a lot of times too, is that you'll get, you'll get pastors who have vision and you'll get tech guys who as the quote unquote experts are a little more hesitant to like, well, you go pastor. I don't think we should do that. Well, at a certain point he is the pastor or she is the pastor as case may be. Yeah, but what if there's just, just really just a lack of manpower, Phil, there's not enough people well, to that's, handle that's it. What the, that's what that's, that, then that's a legitimate excuse. Like I'm saying that sometimes you'll, you'll get 
sound guy is like, well, you know, and then I'm, I'm, I'm pushing my glasses up my nose just so you know. Yeah, we have we have talked about this before that as church techs, we can be pretty hard headed. Yeah, exactly. So it was a real reason why you can't do it. Then this cop to that and say, Pastor, here's 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 what we really are. We can't we have the manpower to do this. That but, being said, all of, all of this is true for larger churches. If we come back to the original question. If we, I mean, let me, let me take a step back of this and not talk about, um, church tech. I was in youth ministry before this Saddleback church. I knew several of the pastors there that did, did youth ministry and they were always undermanned, underfunded and in need of trying to figure out what the next step was in that process. And for them, everything that you just said is true, whether it's the fight for trying to get resources or trying to just do more. And it didn't just go away because there could have been money. They, they talked about the idea of money per person. You get, we're talking about the budget process here. Um, the amount for a, a youth pastor at a small church, that's 200 people probably is numerous times higher than it is for a mega church because I, I can't remember the exact numbers because it's been more than two minutes, yeah, but money, can, money but the, can't scale at that time at, at, at absolute that rate. Yeah. And they, I mean, they talk about the idea of going on a missions trip and having to raise money and people are completely shocked that people at Saddleback have to raise money to do that because the money per person is like $5. Whereas if yeah. you look at a smaller church, the money per person is like hundreds of dollars. Yeah. And we're just able to do something like that at a much different scale. The difference is, they're organized. They're yeah. trained. They have that exactly. capacity, and the, and the vision is there to see them successful. So, right. a church tech person trying to get a new projector is going to be as tough, if not ten times tougher, in a mega church trying to pull that off. See, they're just willing I, to do it. I don't know if it's well. They're willing to do it, yes, but I don't know if it's tougher in, in the same sense, Jeremy, because in a mega church where it's organized around a centralized vision and everyone knows, okay, this thing corresponds to vision in this way. It's not tougher because you're not convincing people you need it. You're just you know going through the process of getting the money uh, and waiting waiting the time to do that. And I think I think two mega churches are generally better at planning for expenses in smaller churches. Or but you are trying to convince. You are trying to convince in the sense that that money could be going to very important and very thorough <laughs> capacity churches that have already proven themselves. Uh, possibly, and, I mean, possibly. But here, let me let me give you an example, and I'll try to be as as vague as I can be and still be relevant here. You know, when you, when you're when a small church goes to I don't know become a bigger church, okay, or or goes to repair a system in the in the church, right? Inevitably, as a smaller church, the 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 language revolves around to get a good deal, or let's not waste money on this, which is code for we want the most we can get for the least amount of money. Right. Whereas a mega church is more likely to spend what it takes to get quality. And you don't have to convince them to do that. So, like, I can guarantee you, no one at Saddleback has to convince their their executive board we need to buy a top dollar projector. They're not saying, "Well, I don't know. I think you can get a good one at Staples." 
That's my point. And see, that's what small churches have to deal with sometimes is that they're, they're, because there's no vision, there's no understanding of what it means to execute a vision with excellence in a lot of these but, smaller churches. But why? But they were never at that point at one time in their life and they had to convince that church. Yeah, I agree. I'm just, we're not, we're not talking about the transition. We're talking about the dichotomy at the present between small church sure. and mega church. And that's my point. I, I agree that the money issue is still, it's always going to be an issue. You're never going to have enough money. Because because the bigger you get, the more problems you have. Trust me, I, we, we made that jump in our church from a, a t- small church to a medium-sized church. And it's you know, the same problems persist, but what helps is to solve some of those problems or or pave a way for solutions is to have an, a cohesive vision that everyone is, is feeding into. Okay, so I, mm-hmm. I think I, I think the, the takeaway and the understanding for both small churches, media, churches, all churches, is not to think that you have unique problems that the problems for small churches is the is the same problems that mega churches face and so don't think that you know don't go and sit on the curb alone and think oh woe is me we have this unique problem they have it so easy the truth of the matter is is that everyone has the same problems is that the, the solutions and the way we navigate through those problems look different Based on the size, it probably even denomination and specifics and dynamics. When you get in the details, then the solutions are more various. But the general solutions, it would seem, are a little bit different between the small churches and the big churches. Do you guys would you guys agree with that? Yes. And I think that the other thing that is true in this process. Well, first of all, I think we could probably sum it up all by saying just don't assume anything. Don't assume that they're struggling when you don't know. Agreed. The, the grass is always greener until you have to mow it. I think, though, that I think. Right. That the, <laughs> so you agree with that statement, well, too. I think right? the big so, difference in that. I think the big difference in that process, though, is the leadership is formed. The strategy is laid out. The vision is established where with smaller churches that may not be true. Agreed. Smaller churches have more of a more Sunday to Sunday approach, Jeremy, and I think that's that's part of the problem. That's why it's so competitive for ministry. Sunday to Sunday, it, it yeah. reminds me of of the economic world. There's those of us that live paycheck to paycheck, yeah, and those that complain, well, and I mean, it really does have different how, results. How many churches literally live offering to offering because they don't plan, they don't budget, they don't prepare, right? Exactly. You know, and it's a tough mindset to break because you have people who, you know, get theological about this. Well, we're just, we're just trusting God. We have faith in the Lord. No, you're being, you're being foolish and unwise with your resources. Then I, I think we have to cover one last thing as much as I would like to say, Hey, we covered this topic well. Just, just to make it full circle with John's original question. And that is, and it is something for us to think about as for the podcast and for articles on Church Mag and possible future ebooks on Church Mag Press, et cetera, et cetera is as we talk about and provide resources for the church, for church tech resources, whether it be creative resources, whether it be, you know, how-tos, whether it be, you know, all the th- all the different resources that, that, that we try to provide for the church in the church tech and creative areas, how does it look different? Or do we need to think think about what we are, what, the information that we are providing a little bit differently in regards to smaller churches and larger churches, do we, as the church, as as those as, as those of us that are voices in the church tech community, how can we do a better job helping these smaller churches face the, their uh, 
how can we help provide them with more unique solutions opposed to the general solution, the one size fits all? Because clearly one size fits all doesn't work. I mean, I think it's, it's a tough question to ask because we're, when you're writing a blog post or you're recording a podcast, you're, you're getting a mental image of who you're talking to. And I generally try to talk to churches around my church's size, which is, we, we, we we are not a mega church, my stretch of imagination, but we're easily double or triple the size we were when I was a kid. Um, and so I, I, it's hard to, to walk that line, but I think the, I think what I would say to perhaps the other side, to the reader, to the audience, what we're going to try and give you is middle of the road advice. And what you need to do is look at your ministry context and figure out, does this, does this fit into where we are or where we need to go? If it's where we need to go, what do we need to do to get to that point where this this fits into our context better? If it's where we are, let's apply this now. If it's nowhere close to where we are or where we're going, I'm going to tuck this away for later. And in a year or two, I'm going to reevaluate. Right. Plus, I think sometimes when we've covered issues like church sound when we had um wassam on about church sound or we've talked about uh, talked with others about church volunteers for instance like the the concepts the core concepts that we're talking about work whether or not your your church tech team is a dozen guys or if it's one padawan i would also say that in this process of having a difference is hold to your ideas if you think that it'd be great for your church to stream don't go to the pastor and say, here's my idea, because they're already trying to figure out how to stay afloat and all that stuff. It's here's an idea. Here's how we could do it um, financially, manpower, physically, all that stuff. And then this is the benefits if we did something like this. It's literally coming to the pastor and saying, here's the whole game plan. What do you think about doing something like this? And be a good steward of that process for yourself, because we see something new and shiny and we talked about this many times before we see something new and shiny and we want to do it. And that takes away from so many other areas in our ministry. Is it worth the cost? Is it actually worth that process? Because my own experience, we can convince it's easy to convince a pastor to say yes. It's harder to convince a pastor to say yes and give us stuff. And it's even harder for us to say no to ourselves. So if we can do all three of those things, we're going to be great. Right. And I think that prioritizing what you're, what you're doing is important too. Like if, if you're at a crossword between crossroad between church streaming and uh, e-giving or mobile giving, clearly you should, you should go, go with mobile giving because your upfront cost is zero. You know, it's really on a per traction per transaction basis, pretty much. It's something that you can try. You see the entire world is is changing how they pay and move money around. So, you know, it's really keeping up with the curve of culture. And so, you know, being able to evaluate those things is important. At the same time, you know, if you're thinking about streaming and your website isn't even responsive, and the fact that, that most people are using mobile devices to interact with the web, you know, you, you don't need to stream. You need a responsive website first. So I think prioritizing can be really important as well. And the best person right. to prioritize that process right. is probably you. And I think Phil opened up a can of worms of something that could really be addressed uh, and, and really help the church tech community engage and get a table at the leadership table. And that is understanding and trying to get 
the the lo- local churches to really hammer out and narrow their vision. And I don't mean some of the garbage visions that I have read online that are just so generic and aloof that, you know, is kind of like a no duh, you're about the proclamation of the gospel. What are you really about? You know? But I think that's a topic for another podcast. What do you guys think? Uh, yeah, definitely. I like that you had said the crossword and then changed to the crossroads, but technically what you said after that could have still fit with the crosswords, <laughs> at least outside of the context of the discussion. Because you said at the crosswords and then you said two words that could have been on a crossword. And this, <clears throat> my friends, is why we are, as Phil so eloquently stated, the best podcast without context. If you have something to say, we want to hear it. Be sure to use the hashtag CMAGCast on Twitter or email us at podcast at churchmag. Tell us what you think about the Church Mag podcast by leaving us a review on iTunes. And as always, you can ask us anything absolutely anything by visiting churchmag forward slash riddle me this until next week how do you get your how do you get your horse out of water how do you get your horse out of water Minecraft. I'm, I'm riding a horse and we fell in the water and i push can't him. push him yeah you have to push it's him. basically if you ride your horse into the water it's a pain in the neck like have enough horses and don't be attached to the one that you have <laughs> And consider killing it. Exactly. Just make sure you save the armor. And the saddle. I've got plenty of saddles and plenty of armor. I, mean, I have no idea. I'm, I'm, I had a mission three weeks ago, and I sat on the journey of the horse, and I have no idea where I am or what my mission was. <laughs> All right, go ahead, guys. I'm, I'm good. I'll figure this out. The Church Mag Podcast is proudly hosted on buzzsprout.com. Bye-bye.